Internet Brand Strategist, Sandra Beck, interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel, to telecommuting from home, to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Chris Nielsen and this is a second in a series. Now last week we talked about your system is your house, so you want to go back and pick up that podcast if you haven't already. Uh, this week we're going to talk to him about questioning your inner critic. Now all of us have an inner critic. You can call it the monkey that chatters in your head. You can call it the voices in your head. Hopefully they're not those kind of voices, but we all have voices in our head and a little kind of devilish inner critic monkey that chatters in there all the time. And Chris, it's always negative. You know, when people talk about their inner monkey or their inner critic, the inner voice never says, wow, that just makes you look hot or gee, your hair looks good today or wow, you rock that presentation. It's always like, wow, did you know in the second paragraph you fumbled over that word? Like it can find the most minute little mistake and make it monumental in your own head. And it's you. It's, it's huge. And, and uh, we talked about this last time. I ask audiences all the time from CEOs to little kids, point to the most dangerous person in the room to you. And it, it, it's us because of that inner critic. Now, some people point to their friend and get a laugh or the boss mm -hmm. and get a laugh. Or, um, but it's us when we repeat these negative phrases over and over again. And I used to be horrific at it. And I remember, um, you know, getting criticism as a kid. And then really in middle school, I remember running up these dark stairs in between classes so no one's there. And I was a pretty good athlete. And I was worried I'd trip and fall and someone would see me. And the person that would see me would be me because no one else was there. And I would beat myself up for any little mistake I would make. I remember making a mistake and three months later popping in my head and re, uh, you know, pounding myself again for just making that mistake. So I think we're trained in this for many people. If you don't have this curse, good for you. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> Don't listen to this show. Move on to the next podcast. Yeah. The, the good thing for me is, is uh, it doesn't affect my life very much anymore. You know, this program pops up occasionally, but I'm pretty much my own inner champion now, which is a powerful place to come from. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Do you think also, too, though, that some of my inner critic, I won't say all of it, that's always pushing me to do better, to do more, to contribute more, um, also is one of the secrets to my success in moderation. I, I agree. And some people say, oh my gosh, I can't get rid of my inner critic. That's the reason I'm where I'm at. And yeah, I think to a degree it is where it does push people. They talk about the chip on the shoulder. So they work extra hard to do something. I do believe there's ways to do that without having that chip on your shoulder and enjoying the process more. Now, some people use that chip to propel them forward. Mm -hmm. Other people just back out of life or whatever they're doing because of that critic. Um, so it works both ways. Mm -hmm. My, I think the, the funnest part for me, and I do this example in rooms, like uh, we talked about Carol Dweck's book briefly last time, mm -hmm. the Fix and Growth Mindset. Her book is Mindset by Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. 
but the fixed mindset. She's a San Francisco researcher or up in Palo Alto. Yeah, yep, Stanford researcher, uh, Stanford professor. Um, and I give the 30-second version of the book, When You Fail, You Are the Failure, uh, and with the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. When you fail, it's just feedback on how to get better. Which mindset do you want to live with? <laughs> Which mindset can you excel with easier? If you're hungry for feedback, I, I still look at how, what I could have done better, but at least I do it in a nicer way. Yes. What I get with people that really have a hard fixed mindset, you tell them they did something wrong. They're not going, oh my gosh, I can use that to get better. They're going, oh, I'm wrong. What do you mean? And they oftentimes shut down. Now, some people get super motivated and go, I'll, I'll show them. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it does, it can work and you can use it. Um, we can use these chips on our shoulder or whatever uh, as motivation. Yeah, but, but it's think, unkind. Like it doesn't yeah. feel good. It's not coming from a place of like higher conscious collaboration. It's coming from proof. I'm going to prove to you I'm better. Yeah. And constantly proving and it's never good enough because I, I, you probably realize it. And then for me, I realize this. No matter how good I did, there was always something better. Right. And so you, it's almost like this never happy. You go, oh, I accomplished this and I'll be super happy. And you accomplish it. And you go, why am I not super happy? I'm miserable. I accomplished it. So what? You know, now, now what? Well, or like even worse, you know, and this was me in my 30s, my late 20s, early 30s and early 40s was everything was a mountain to be climbed. And once I would get like, not even to the top of that mountain, I was already looking at the next mountain. I was preparing for the next mountain and I'm like, all right, it's time to go girl. We're going to go do this. And I never really stopped to enjoy. I certainly didn't. And I didn't even finish the enjoyment process. I finished it quickly so I could get to the next mountain. I'm with you. So I think we're a lot alike in that way, Sandra is because um, I was never a, enjoyed the journey i was always what's the next goal what's the next goal in yeah. in one of the reasons i love basketball and i still play basketball is that because i was in the present moment when i played basketball mm -hmm. i was stopped cool. thinking about things and i tell audiences this too when you're present there is no fear yeah and if you can get there even if a tiger was in front of you growling if you were actually present you wouldn't have fear it's when we future project is when the fear comes in when you go, oh, that's going to hurt when that tiger bites me. Or that's going to hurt when I fail at this certain thing. Yep. Or well, that's why, like, you know, Chris, it's funny you say this. You know, I played baseball and, and softball, and um, I played for 20 years in the Santa Monica League just as an adult. I played in the Attorneys League. I played in all these really fun leagues. And <clears throat> I would drive the coaches nuts because – they say you get this really blank look on your face right before you're going to bat. And I'm like, because Chris, if I think about, you know, where I'm going to hit it, if I think about, will I hit it? Will I be embarrassed? Oh, you know, all these things, I will strike out. But if I completely blank out my head and then just go, okay, let your body knows what to do. Let your body know what to do. And half the time my eyes are closed until the ball like leaves the pitcher's hand. It's insane, but it works. I, I, I love hearing about that. So I played baseball in high school too and a little bit in college until I got hurt. And then, um, but my, what was it? My 10th grade year, um, we were in the state tournament 
I hadn't – we had a really good team. I hadn't started a game. My first starting game was the first game of the state tournament because someone had the chicken pox. And, and um, it got to the – I think the last inning and we were down. And I'm counting how many batters until I'm up. And I go, oh, my gosh, I could be the last out. And I'm freaked out, totally freaked out. And all of a sudden, this feeling washes over me of complete confidence and relaxation. Yep, and, I thinking, and like you said, I stopped thinking completely. I step in the batter's box against this guy who can throw 90 miles an hour and has a curveball. And goes, he goes on to play college ball. And I'm just relaxed. And I know I'm, I know I'm going to hit it. There's no doubt. Yep. It gets to even strike two strikes on me. And um, drill the ball, left field. We tie the game and eventually win the game. Um, it was a phenomenal experience. It, like I was present so present and in that moment from freaking out and going up there freaking out, I probably would have strike out. Well, yeah. And I will freak out in the dugout and it's, it's the same thing. Like, you know, sometimes if I have a big guest on that makes me nervous or, you know, I have to speak in front of big groups, I am like a total train wreck for the first 15 minutes up to the event. Then I get up there like five minutes before or three minutes before it's like you say, it's like this wave of cool comes down. And you're just like, to me, it's like an out-of-body experience. It's just, you just are. And you go and do what you have to do, but there's absolutely no thought to it. Yeah, it's an incredible experience. And I think that's why having no thought is amazing. When you are in the present, think about the things you've enjoyed the most. When you're in the present moment, it's amazing. It's like, I use this example when I, when I occasionally when I talk to parents is the, you're, the parent is rushing out of the house because He's thinking he's late for everything, you know, and um, 20 things he needs to do. And the kid pulling the kid out the door, you know, almost dragging him in. The kid pulls his hand out and goes, oh, daddy, look, there's a ladybug. <sighs> and and he's just so present in that moment with that ladybug. But the dad jerks the kid's hand and goes, no, we got to go. And, and um, we'll do that later. And then rushes off to school pushes the kid out the door for school because he's late um, rushing from one moment to the next, to the next, to the next all day long, picks the kids up, um, goes home, watches TV, goes to sleep, start, does it all over again. We're almost, some of us live lives where we're never present. Right. Right. We're never present. And we're, we're just, um, I think it's one of those things where we have to slow down and, purposely stop. Yeah. Because I know I blew through a decade without taking a breath easily. Um, I think it's a good time, Chris, right now to thank our sponsor today, which is LinkedIn. We love LinkedIn. We both use LinkedIn. Yeah. And um, I use LinkedIn a lot to do my business to business marketing. I use it to find different talent. Um, I use it to promote my shows. So I think it's a really valuable company. And um, they're offering a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit to launch your first marketing campaign. You can just go to linkedin.com slash coach talk. That's linkedin.com slash coach talk for your free $100 ad credit. Now there are terms and conditions that apply, but one of the things I want to talk about, Chris, is what if you could reach the right professionals in the right way? And imagine the best place for marketers. And I'm a big marketer. You're a big marketer. We have to because of the nature of our business. And there's a place where you stand out against the backdrop of stand-up brands, a place that has exactly the people you're looking for. And even better, they're looking for you. And 
LinkedIn is a place where you can move your customer relations forward. Um, it's just the greatest place to be business to business marketing. And the LinkedIn ads help drive the results marketers like you and I care about from building your brand all the way to converting revenue and driving growth. And when you advertise on LinkedIn, you get the world's largest professional community and you have the opportunity to build long-term relationships with your customers and relationships. Chris, you know this, I know this relationships translate into high quality leads, website traffic, higher brand awareness. But the first step is talking to the right audience and a community of over 600 million professionals are on LinkedIn. That's like that's bigger than third world countries. <laughs> <laughs> and you have access to the world's business leaders, decision makers, plus the people who influence those decision makers. They're the people that are doing the hands-on work today and tomorrow's future leaders. So I want you guys to check out LinkedIn because there are 62 million business decision makers on LinkedIn. So you're building relationships that really matter. And according to a recent survey, 71% of people use information from LinkedIn to make informed business decisions. So go ahead and redeem your free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash coach talk. That's linkedin.com slash coach talk for your free $100 ad credit terms and conditions do apply. Chris, I know I go into LinkedIn all the time to look for the next greatest idea, something to talk about on my shows because there are trends in business. There are trends. When you look at blog posts, you look at the things people are talking about. I love when people put a post up and when I see there's lots of comments to me, that's like, I'm going fishing. I'm going in there and I'm going to look at what are people talking about? Cause nowhere else in history, Chris, have we had the ability to do focus groups yeah. without spending a dime, like without, we don't have to bring people into our conference room and give them lunch and talk to them. I and mean, you can do that. That's all great. But there is so much evidence out there in the study of trends and, and beliefs and what do people need? What do consumers want? Just go and read all the complaints. Yeah. It's a goal. I've talked, to, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of uh, business leaders on LinkedIn and asked them, you know, what the key to their success is. It, you, when you're connected with leaders, and I think from a business to business standpoint, it's the best way to connect as LinkedIn. Absolutely. Um, I've learned so much. Like you said, there's so many great articles that people have shared, blog posts, um, things that I've found in God. It just sparks my imagination and takes me and, and, and you know, it creates innovation in me because of what they do. Sure, sure. So I'm going to give that benefit one more time to redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash coach talk. That's linkedin.com slash coach talk for your free $100 ad credit. Terms and conditions apply. Now, Chris, we were talking about the inner critic. And one of the things that I see in social media is <laughs> the presentation of a false front. I get that we have to have a business front. Yeah. But I show up, well, I used to show up in a business suit and pull my hair back. And, you know, now that people are more accepting of tech leadership, I can show up in my jeans and a t-shirt and nobody even blinks an eye. Where 10 years ago or 20 years ago, that raised a lot of eyes um, or eyebrows. And when you have that inner critic, <clears throat> what I found is people – when you get to know them and you analyze their social media, 
I'm a big one about analyzing social media. If I know you and I know what your hotspots are, what your weak points are, what your secret fears are, I can look and see them portrayed in an opposite way in their social media many times. Mm. You've got guys who are like, they've lost their hair. They might have a little gut. They might have whatever. And you talk to them and they, they, you can tell they don't feel good about themselves physically, you know, because of the, the bragging, the boasting, the self-deprecating put downs, all those things are big clues. But then you go on their social media and they're like, Hey, look here. I'm on the boat today. Hey, I'm at the gym today. Hey, look at me. Look at how great I am. And you know, you can actually look and go, if somebody's posting things consistently, it's probably an idea of what their inner critic is telling them. Because I look at these people and go, wow, you're good enough. So why do you have to post how smart you are all the time? Why do you have to post how pretty you are or how handsome you are? Do you not feel pretty? <laughs> do you not feel handsome? You know, I think there is some correlation between some people's social media and their inner critic. Well, I, I think so, for sure. I mean, the inner critic comes out wherever and in various ways. Sometimes it can be the opposite of what we're talking about, or it can be, you know, directly, you know, they're critical of themselves and they don't even show pictures of themselves or they don't um, do whatever. You know, for me, I, I started losing my hair, I think, in um, college and I was freaking out about it. And I, I freaked out about it probably for over 20 years, you know, of losing the hair. And, and finally, you know, I actually like it better now. <laughs> Sandra can see I don't have almost any. Yeah, you're a really good looking guy. Like, you know, it's, it's, you own it, you work it. I mean, it's not, you know, I didn't know if you lost your hair, you just chose to keep it short. I mean, it looks good on you. I keep it short now, but there's some hair on the side, but not much up on top anymore. Um, but it doesn't bother me anymore because I know myself is whole and complete most of the time. You know, there's still, I, I'm programmed with these not enough, I'm not good enough programs and they occasionally pop up. But this doesn't bother me like it used to. And, and there's so many programs we have, there, this inner critic it is so negative to live with. And, and I would love to help people just drop it and let it go. I've dropped it and let it go for the most part. It still pop again, it pops up occasionally. I'm a work in progress, but we can drop it. So if you are critical of yourself, you can drop that stuff. And here's something I say to people too. You know, it's hard to connect to shiny, hard surfaces. Yeah. And we're all wearing our masks and armor in this world. And so no one's really connecting to each other because um, we're all presenting this false front to people. Yeah. Um, but when you finally get vulnerable, and I'm not saying get vulnerable with everyone because some people you don't want to be vulnerable with, but if you vulnerable with the right people, you can make a real connection yeah. and that feels so much better. And if you get practice of letting go of this armor and mask, that that's heavy stuff. It's no fun to carry around on a daily basis. No, it's very heavy. It's exhausting actually. Yeah. You know, one of the things, Chris, that helped me, <clears throat> I went to a, a workshop seminar and they talked about your, your inner critic, your inner voice. And one of the exercises they had us do, which I still think is friggin' hilarious. Um, you had to take this piece of paper with you. And every time you had a negative thought about yourself, you had to stop and write it down, you know, as part of the workshop. And I had <laughs> people came in and they had like their sheet of paper. 
I had a notebook. <laughs> like, I ran out of like the first day. I had covered the first page, the back of the page. And then, you know, and it's not like I was writing big handwriting either. And then I'm like, well, I think I'm going to need a notebook for this. So I run across to Rite Aid and I get one of those little spiral notebooks. And I'm like, well, there's another one. There's another one. And then when we came into the workshop part for when you were supposed to confront your inner critic, mm -hmm. everybody's there with their piece of paper. And this lady next to me had like two things. And I just wanted to sit there and go, light their pants on fire. <laughs> 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 because we all have them. Yeah. But the cool thing about the end of that exercise, and I would encourage everyone to do this because you really only need a pen and paper, mm -hmm. is when I read it, I was like, okay, my inner critic is the meanest person I've ever met. It's the most insulting, harsh person. And if that person was sitting next to me and saying those things to me, I would never accept it. You know, I would never say these things to other people, but if you took that like notebook full of ugly, awful thoughts and morphed it into a person, there's no way anyone would allow their friend or anyone to talk to them that way, that consistently, that regularly in a negative way. But yet we allow our inner critic, or at least I did. Yeah, that's really well said. And I, I do a piece on that too. And, and, um, we talked about self-compassion previously too. I think that can change the world. And here was my epiphany on it. You know, I was talking to a lot of my friends that were very religious and, and I was studying the Bible in that sense and going, looking at, especially the quotes on, on love and uh, love thy neighbor as thyself, love thy enemy as thyself. And if those are the main, some of the main teachings of Jesus, why aren't most Christians adopting that? And what I got, the epiphany finally came, oh my gosh, they are. They are loving their neighbor as thyself. They are loving their enemy as thyself because they don't love themselves. Right. That inner critic is so harsh, but they're not, you know, punching themselves and screaming at themselves except from the inside. Right. Do that to other people. And so how do you change that? And I think self-compassion can change the world. Um, and, and like you talked about, that voice is vicious. My voice was was vicious on that on ending, you know, say something negative a thousand times where even the meanest person would get tired after a dozen, <laughs> right? 10 times, <laughs> yeah, ten times. but I would do it over and over again. And, and you're right. If someone was mean to us like that, we walk away in a second. We wouldn't put up with it. No, we'd never be friends with someone like that. No, not at all. But when we're um, doing that, I said, channel, here's one of the exercises I give people in my coaching and training channel, if you can picture that one person that if you went with your problems, they'd be super positive with you. Yeah. They'd say, Hey, you, Chris, I know you, you're, you're strong. You can figure this out. You'll do great. Um, and this is just something you can learn from versus doing the, the negative aspect of that channel, that person, get that person in your head, put that person in your notebook, what they would say to you yep. and start channeling that person when something happens. And, right. and and when you change programs, don't worry, that inner, inner critic is built in there pretty strong, <laughs> if you're like most people. So it's like um, the way our brain's wired, and I study sports psychology and psychology of creating new habits, your, your neurons are myelinated in a way where the, the, the signal fires really fast across it. Now, a new habit, it's just super slow. 
It's almost like an old dial-up modem. And you feel frustrated and you go, oh, I can't learn this. Yes, you can. Yes, but you, you got to stick with it. The longer you stick with it, it'll get faster and faster and faster, faster. And soon that'll be wired fast too. But you got to stick with it. And now I'm really compassionate with myself. And I do laugh at myself a lot. And it's not in a, um, ha-ha, I need to hide from it type laughter. It's a really enjoy the, the foolish things I do. Yeah. Well, and I have it like boiled down really simple, Chris. I call her mean San in my head. Okay. So when mean San comes out, I'm like, wow, that was really mean, mean San. And I, you know, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I'm like, I need nice San to come out. And I do, I play this little game in my head that, you know, when I start getting down on myself or getting really critical, I'm like, okay, mean San, you've had enough. You've had your say. It's time for you to go away. And then I think about what mean San said. And then I ask nice San to, to basically tell me the truth. Because just because I made a mistake doesn't mean I'm all wrong or all bad or all, you know, failing. And so mm -hmm. having a little conversation in my head with recognizing that mean San has come to visit. Mean San needs to go away because mean San really can only say mean things. Like there's mean Chris in there that comes out and mean Chris is really up to no good. Like there is no benefit for these critical thoughts because they're not there to empower you or to make you better. And the thing that this is the reason that I call it mean San. See, because if you get in an argument with your mean side in your head, like I'll say to mean San, um, you know what? That's fine. I know I made a mistake with that client. They're not going to fire me. They're going to, you know, whatever. And it's going to be fine. Then mean San will come in and go, go ahead, trick yourself and think you're going to be fine. That's just living in Pollyanna sand world. And <laughs> you know, whether you say a, it'll say B, if you say B, it'll say a, and I <laughs> encourage you to, to really get to know that mean voice in there because you'll realize that no matter what you do, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. No matter what you do, it's insulting. So even if you flip it around and have a little conversation, that mean side of you will come in and say, yeah, but oh my God, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> you know, yeah, but what about this? Yeah. And so I think recognizing that mean sound inside of you or the mean Chris in you it's one of those things that once you see it, you can't unsee it. So well said. And again, so many pieces of wisdom in what you shared. It's even having an awareness. Most people walk around life with almost no awareness of what, how, what drives them, why they do certain things. And if we bring self-awareness to things, almost anything can change. Sometimes it is just the seeing of it that allows us to change that. Do I want to live my life with this mean Chris in my head? Yeah. Um, and, but also the mean Chris is programmed in there pretty solid. I don't even have to make, so oftentimes people do this and I've done this. Oh my gosh, mean Chris is coming out. That's bad. I'm letting mean Chris come out. So it's like piling a bad on top of bad and it just spirals down. No, I hey. just go, mean Chris is here or mean Stan is yeah. here. And fine. You can say that, but I don't have to listen to it. And I don't need to believe it either. And, and it's not not true or even if it is true it's like we talked about earlier with the mindset part when you fail you're the failure you don't want to hear negative things about you no compassion has the power to actually let you see the world more truthfully yeah 
we're so attached to these ideas that we hold like they're, they're part of us and you pull on one of our ideas. It's like people in this, these political debates. You say something that's against them, it's like you're ripping part of them away. First, right. it's just, just an idea and they can't look at it. Right. Thoughts change. Beliefs change. Positions change. change all the time. You're, I mean, I would encourage your, your listeners to the, write down, like uh, Sandra said, is the, write down the negative voice so you're aware of it. Mm-hmm. And all the things it says, so you can recognize it, and, and you don't have to listen to mean whatever, mean Chris, mean San, whatever again, and because you know, know yourself is bigger than this being here. When you have those moments where you feel this expansive nature where things are perfect, that's more the true you. Right, right. Well, that's where faith comes in for me. And that's where, you know, kind of oneness with everything comes in with me. But, you know, those are things that I had to really dig deep, because they were layered under all the, you know, the beliefs of education, cultural, you know, family, religious, everything on top of that, you know, you get to this point. But I think also, Chris, when we talk about questioning your inner critic, I want to talk for a few minutes about how your thoughts really shape your reality. And I, I'm sorry, I have a little cold, but I didn't get this until one day I was driving. I used to run a real estate office in Beverly Hills for like a decade. And I had to drive up to these people who I really liked, Chris. They were elderly. They were selling their home. They were downsizing. You know, it was a very emotional time for them. And I'm really partial to older people. I really dig them. I think they're super fun. And, and I, even though they drive me close, you know, crazy sometimes because they walk so slow, I have a lot of fun with them. And I really like this couple. And this was the third time their home had fallen out of escrow. Mm-hmm. And I had to drive up there and tell them that their home was out of escrow. And I was driving up this long canyon. They lived up at the end of a long canyon. And by the time I got there, I was in tears because I had, didn't want to tell them this stuff. I knew it was going to break their hearts. I had created this whole reality <clears throat> in my head. I knock on the door. She opens up and she says, oh, darling, come in and have some tea. And I said, well, I, you know, I'm here to talk to you about your escrow. And she looked really sad. And then I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to have to do this. So I'm like, it's not news. It's not good news. It's not bad news. It's just news. I'm going through all these things in my head. And I told her it fell out of escrow. And she gave me a hug. And she said, oh, thank God. She's like, we really realized we don't want to sell. And here I had spent 45 minutes in hell, literally, <laughs> of my own making, yep. going, I'm going to break her heart. I'm gonna, I had created this whole story. And it was just a story, Chris, because when I got in there and she opened, the reason she looked sad was she wanted to tell me she was counseling a listing. Yeah. You know, and thankfully, you know, I'm not, I wasn't one of those people who are like, you know, I have to sell everything commission breath. It's like, you know what, this is unfolding the way it should because they're they really didn't want to sell and it really wasn't the right move for them and you know I was really happy they're still in their house today I'm still friendly with them and stop by when I'm down there but here I created this whole reality and it was so wrong we do it all the time and we're so wrong and it's like um if you know I talk about in relationships with anyone if you're in a, with a good person and you know they're a good person and you, they say something that really hurts you, uh, why not go um, make the assumption first about that person that um, 
they mean positively towards you. They, they are, they're meaning, uh, the meaning of something should be taken positively. If you're taking it negatively, get clarification. Going, are you meaning to hurt me, Sandra, here? And you go, no, no, of course not. Does and mean I, sand come on the outside? <laughs> I, I love when someone go, Chris, that hurt me. Oh, my gosh. Uh, because I've never, you know, in my life, you know, I've been raised by two great parents. Um, not perfect, but great. Um, my dad was pretty critical. Uh, my mom was really positive, but um, I've never meant to hurt someone sure. in my life. Now I've hurt a lot of people unintentionally through right. my blinders or whatever. But if someone came to me and said, honestly, Chris, that really hurt. I'd get the chance to go, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you there. And, and that would connect the relationship again versus them not telling and making bad assumptions about it. Right. Or you can have fun with it. Like when I'm in a relationship and somebody says something that hurts my feelings, I'll go, oh, like shot to the heart. Like, <laughs> And look, that is good too, to bring the humor into it. I love that. Oh. And, 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 and so you're, you're right. We are meaning-making machines that right. are constantly giving meaning to each situation. And part of that's how we survived. Going, the meaning, is this a safe situation? Oh, good. I can walk into, oh, this is a dangerous situation. I should be aware. But notice about how our meaning are positively or negatively affecting our lives. Well, and I think this conversation, Chris, is, is so important because my mom used to have this saying, like, everybody has the right to have a bad day. Really? I mean, they have that every day. That's one thing. But everybody has, a, they, have a, they can have a bad day. They can say something that maybe is off or off color or do something. You know, everybody can have a bad day. But the one thing that I think this is really important for is, and I know it sounds like a weird segue, but is when you're dealing with death. Mm -hmm. Okay, because <clears throat> my mom had breast cancer and she was sick for five years. And um, she had a very... Um, difficult death. So it was really hard for me. It was hard for her. And, you know, she was kind of like a medical monkey at some point where they're like, Hey, let's zap this. Let's cut off that, you know, well-meaning, but mm -hmm. it was, to me, it was, it was horrific to watch. And at the same time, my friend Janet, her son, Jack, who was four, who was my son, Zach's friend, Jack and Sophie, um, was diagnosed with pediatric brain cancer, DIPG. So her son is dying while my caring for my mother who's dying. So we kind of would have these cry fests where we'd sit together. And <laughs> during our grief, we would talk about the stupid things people would say to us. And we realized they weren't trying to hurt us, mm -hmm. but they didn't know what else to say. Right. And so sometimes people don't know what to say. So they say something, you know, like somebody said to me, like, I'm so glad your mom's not suffering anymore. And I said, me too. And she goes, I guess you're glad she's dead. <laughs> you know, and at the time I was like, what? what? And Janet had one where um, after her son died, he was four when he died and some girl was crying and she says, I'm so sorry. So I'm so sorry, Janet. Because I'm just so glad it's not my son. It was one of the moms from the preschool. Oh, holy smoke. And you look at these things, and I, I bring this up because it could be a divorce. It could be a death. It could be a termination at a company. It could be a company closing. Whenever we have mixed grief and loss, it could be you leaving a company. Mm -hmm. 
When we have periods of high negative emotion, which is usually associated with grief or loss or fear, mm-hmm. people say stupid things. Oh, like, I think it's really important that we just put it out there for everyone because if everybody understood the dumb things people say when they're afraid, when they're grieving, when they're you know, faced with unimaginable odds, hey, you know what? It happens. And I think like when we get to the point where we can accept that sometimes these things happen, you can be in the grieving line at your mother's church when you just broke the cross off her casket. They glued it on crooked, Chris, and I kept trying to adjust it. Then it snapped off. And so I had to put it in my purse because then I broke the casket. But, you know, people are going to say things and you just have to learn to let them go. Well, it's obviously better to let it. You could learn to hold on to be miserable about them your whole life. And a lot of people, unfortunately, live their entire life like that. But yeah, let them go. And here's a philosophy of mine. And I believe it. I've said this in many rooms that I've done trainings in. And most people agree with me here when they come down to it. I think everyone is doing the best they can in that moment with their current programming, their level of sleep, all the stuff they're currently dealing with in that moment. Now, you can look back and feel a little bit better and go, what the heck was I thinking in that moment? But in that moment, I think we're doing the best we can with what we got. Now, we can always grow and do a little bit better. Now, the past me would have beat myself up for doing something horrible in that moment or whatever, less than. Um, But if you go, everyone that's coming to you is doing the best you can. You're doing the best you can. And if you can be kind to yourself and kind to your others. And makes a huge difference. And I think what the misery comes from is resisting what is. Yeah. What is is what is. Doesn't mean we're going to leave it what is. We might change it for the better in the future. But our upset with what actually is, that's what makes us miserable. A reason yeah. to that. Well, and we don't know, you know, this is a big one. You know, we don't know what people are going through. And, you know, I had these two clients up in Seattle um, who are still my wonderful, great friends. And I had the best firing ever from them because I kept not getting their work done. And they called me and they're really nice guys, um, partners in life and partners in, in business. And Monty says to me, he goes, I am so sorry. We have to fire you. We have to let you go. And, you know, you're not just not getting the ads done on time. It's really stressful for us. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, it's okay. And then I started to cry and he's like, he goes, oh my God, I made you cry. And I said, oh no. I said, you know, my mom died on Sunday and I've been helping her, you know, through this cancer battle. And he was like, why didn't you tell me? Because I didn't mix business. Like, you know, how you, you know, I was raised in an era where your personal life stays personal, your business yeah. life. And he's like, I cared for my dad. And he goes, no wonder you've been making so much mistakes for the last three months. You worked for us for many years and it was okay. And I said, well, I didn't want to bring my negative baggage, you know, to work and stuff. And um, so he said, well, how about this? Why don't you take a couple months off? We'll get a temp in the place. And then come back. And I did. I came back later. So it was the nicest firing. But I didn't communicate with anybody what was going on with me. I just was AWOL. You know, stuff was coming in late. Things had mistakes, which, you know, is going to happen when you have significant life events. But when I didn't communicate to, the, to my clients at that point, some of them knew. But this, these ones were in Seattle. They didn't know. 
That is another great example of, um, you know, when we communicate honestly, people want to deal with us. Now, some people could still fire you from sure. communicating honestly. Like, I just need it done. I don't care about your well, life. Well, and that would be fair because the thing yeah. is I wasn't getting the work done. Yeah. But when, I mean, most people have real compassion for other people and um, empathy for that. And if we're honest about it, it's like when they say it's just business, business and personal is all mixed up. Now it's, it is, especially today. Right. It's when you're doing well at home. It's like you said, you don't know what someone's going through. They could be going through misery at home. Um, like I could tell in the basketball court a lot of times. Again, it was my joy to be out there. I could tell when someone who was normally happy out there just yelling at people, getting upset. I go, oh, something's going bad. Something's going on, right? There's something, this is, right, when the reaction is not appropriate for the situation. Yeah. That's usually a big clue. So the, the stories, I mean, if we can connect and share with other human beings what we're going through, and they can see the real reason versus making all these made-up reasons. And like you talked about mindset in the beginning, how, how do we, our mindset matters. So what you're yeah. thinking about matters how you see the world. I mean, you look at our world right now, and we're so polarized at this moment. Yes. Um, the, the same event happens, and people see it two different ways because we're programmed in two different ways. Or 90 different ways. Or 90 different ways. You're right. You could have an event, and it's giving 90 different meanings to that event. Mm -hmm. It's unreal. Um, and that's a mistake I've made a big part of my life is thinking everyone sees it the way I see it. Mm -hmm. Right. I think we all go through that. Like everybody sees the world the way we do, but then you realize we don't. Yeah. You know, well, and I think, you know, I did this, ex this experiment with my kid um, this year, Chris, um, he's a teen, he's 15. He's every bit 15. And he's like the hoodie, the, you know, and he's a straight A student and a basketball player. He's six, five, you know, but he went through this stage and, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. He's like, mom, the whole world sucks. And I said, yeah, it does because you create suckiness. And <laughs> so <laughs> I said, why don't you come shopping with me? And he's like, fine. But I said, okay, you're not going to wear the black hoodie. You're not going to wear, you know, your dark jeans in the middle of a hundred degree summer, throw on your shorts and your t-shirt, wear, you know, your surf, one of your surf shirts. So throw a surf shirt on. He had like a nice light blue with a sailboat on it. I'm like, okay. And I said, now when we go to the store, I want you to smile at people. I want you to acknowledge them when they walk by either with a nod or whatever. And I want you to strike up conversations with three people. And if you do, I'll buy you those sneakers you want. Cause they were like 80 bucks. So total bribery, <laughs> but we went and he started talking to some guy in the sneaker store about video games yeah. and the new Spider-Man and the new this. He was blabbing away back there. And then we're walking out. I didn't have to get the sneakers because he was so excited about, you know, to go home and look up this game. He forgot about the sneakers. So when we were on the ride home, I said, well, what was your experience? What reality did you create today? he's like, mom, he goes, it was phenomenal. And I said, do you see that the energy you put out, the presentation you put out, instead of being looking like, you know, California's Unabomber, you know, you look like a fun, nice kid that everybody wants to talk to. And you're smiling to people and you're talking to people. And, you know, when you're six, five at 
at, I don't know how tall you are, Chris, but when you're 6'5 at 15, you're kind of like Junior Lurch walking around and you knock things over and, you know, it's, it's a hard body to be in when you're a teenager until you, everything catches up with it. And so for him just to smile and not look like a big giant scowly, <laughs> he got such better response. Right. I mean, smiles, so, are conta- smiles are contagious. And I mean, such a great lesson you gave your son there too, to, to feel that in life. And that's why, that's why I love experiential training that I do. I want people to feel what it's like. And, and that's why I do, um, you know, connection exercise. I want to feel what it's like to connect and disconnect. And then you can own it. Your son gets to own that from now on. But the big thing I want to talk about just as we're wrapping up here is that self-compassion. Mm-hmm. If we are compassionate with ourselves, we can more, much more easily be compassionate with other people. Yeah. It, and I did do this exercise. If someone is mean to you, you can walk away from them. But if you're mean to them, mean to yourself, can you get away from yourself? Right. You can't. Wherever you go, you're there. Right. And you're still stuck with you. Stuck with you. Create that safety net within you so you can have fun in this life, in this moment. It makes an incredible difference. If you can channel those beautiful people in your life um, and have their voice in your head instead of um, your own negative voice <laughs> until your own voice becomes this positive champion type voice, and it'll make a real difference. You're the things you did for your son there are so positive. It's like when we reflect, we reflect each other. Mm-hmm. When we give someone a genuine real smile and they smile back, it's like this bouncing of positive energy. And all we need is a glimpse of that to go, this world is a much better place than we think it is. And I, I want to, the point you made earlier too, you made so many great points is that we don't know what someone else is going through. Right. They, I say we have this force when everything's going good, we're eating well, or, or people that we love are treating us good. We got this strong force field. Someone throws something negative at us, it just bounces off. But if we're having difficulty, even little things can get in and really hurt. Yeah. So, you know, notice that person that may be having struggle or doesn't even look like they're having struggle, but might be having struggle. Mm-hmm. We don't know what they're going through. If we can deliver that positive smile, even just a wave and a high, um, what a difference it makes. It is. Well, and I'm going to leave us with my favorite thing to do when I'm totally bummed. Like I lose a client or somebody can't pay me or they yell at me and I have a really bad day. And then, you know, my kids are teenagers, so they're bouncing off the walls and telling me I'm dumb because that's what they do when they roll their eyes. (laughs) Um, I like to go on social media, Chris, and this is one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. And I read through 10 feeds until I find, I read, read until I can find 10 feeds where I can post something positive for another person. You know, like somebody's pet died, somebody's traveling and I can wish them safe travels or, you know, hope you enjoy your vacation. When you do that 10 times to 10 different people, you cannot be in a bad mood. I lo- another brilliant exercise, Sandra. I think everyone should go find, you know, even five times uh, five to 10 times to post something positive to uplift someone else. It's you hit it huge when I was feeling so down and depressed and inside of me. Um, but when someone called, uh, I couldn't do much in, in that point in my life, mm. but when some called up and asked me for help, it was like a gift to me. Yes. 
that was the one thing I could do is go, how can I help this person now? And it helped me get out of my own stupid thoughts. Well, yeah. And it's like, you know, everybody's on social media anyway, whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or Pinterest. So if you're in there and you're feeling a little blue, post some positives for other people, hold someone else up and you're the winner. Like, yes, it helps them too, but you're like, you're the one who wins most of all. I, Sandra, I so love that. And uh, I'm going to use that for myself. I'm going to use that for others. It, it's a wonderful thing. I would include all your listeners to use that for themselves. If we post positives for others, when we give, and that's what I realize in life, when I give now, that's why I love to speak and train. Because I'm there 100% for the, I, I, you know, it's for me, obviously, as well. But I put myself in the frame of mind that I'm 100% there for you. How do I best serve you and your audience in this moment? Yeah. And that gets me in this place of, oh my gosh, I get to give. I know you feel so good, don't you? I do. like the sneaky little secret of all this stuff. It's like, yes, I'm helping other people. Yes, I'm doing, oh, I don't do it for the praise. I do yeah. it because I feel so good. Yeah. Your, your exercise is awesome. Yeah. That's just awesome. Thank you. All right. So Chris, how can people find out more about you? Uh, again, I love to connect with people. Even have a question, I'm just a super curious guy. Uh, Chris at ChrisNielsen.com is my main web, main email address, and ChrisNielsen.com is the website, and it's C H R I S N I E L S O N, ChrisNielsen.com. So reach out if you have a question, a thought, um, you want to correct me on something. I love hearing that too. How about hire you? <laughs> or hire me? That's even better. Fire would be even better. Okay, guys. So if you like today's show, go ahead and listen to last week's show. Your system is your how. Today's show is question your inner critic. We'll be back again next week. Thank you, Sandra. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach.